In peace we pray to you, Lord God. We're thankful, Father, for the community that meets at Ackland Avenue. We're thankful for our safe homes and for our families. We're thankful for jobs where most of us can work from home. Father, in the midst of our thankfulness, help us to remember those who must work in riskier places, in hospitals, those who are first responders, in nursing homes and grocery stores, garbage collectors, food production and construction, and lots of other occupations. Father, please keep them safe and healthy and their families as well. Father, we want this virus gone. We want to socialize again. We want to go out for entertainment. Most importantly, we want to meet together and share together the blessed sacrament of communion. We want the negative behaviors attached to this virus gone. Conflicts over masks and social distancing and risky openings. We want the more frequent expressions of racism gone. Father, we acknowledge our pride our smugness, our arrogance, our selfishness. Help us, God, to learn to love our neighbors and to be a neighbor to those we encounter. In the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who together with you and the Holy Spirit reigns, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from Genesis 25. These are the generations of Isaac, Abram's son. Abraham fathered Isaac, and Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. And Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived The children struggled together within her, and she said, If it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, the older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out all red, all his body like a hairy cloak. So they called his name Esau. Afterward, his brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel. So his name was called Jacob. Esau was 60 years old. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore him. When the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Once, when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and was exhausted. And Esau said to Jacob, Let me eat some of that red stew, for I am exhausted. Therefore his name was called Edom. Jacob said, Sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I am about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? So Jacob said, Swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. So then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. The word of the Lord. Feel free to stop the recording now and worship the Lord. 
Our next reading this morning comes from the 119th Psalm, verses 105 through 112. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I have sworn an oath and confirmed it to keep your righteous rules. I'm severely afflicted. Give me life, O Lord, according to your word. Accept my freewill offerings of praise, O Lord, and teach me your rules. I hold my life in my hand continually, but I do not forget your law. The wicked have laid a snare for me, but I do not stray from your precepts. Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. I incline my heart to perform your statutes forever to the end. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the day, for the sun that shines and the clouds that hang, the grass and the trees and the plants, all your creation, all of the animals that you care for all around us. Father, we know that you also care for us and we praise you for that care. We ask you to continually watch over us as we are surrounded by illness and we ask that you be with those who are suffering from illness and with those who are working to help those who are suffering from our illnesses and those who are working to find vaccinations. Father, we pray that you'll bless all of those people. Pray that you be with the leaders of our country and the leaders of our education systems, that the choices that they make as we move toward the season of schooling will reflect a concern for all involved and those decisions would be made in a way that protects as many people as possible, Father. Thank you for your son Jesus, for his life, his example, his teaching, and his sacrifice on the cross for the remission of our sins. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Feel free to stop the recording now and worship the Lord. Good morning, church. Years ago, Nashville had a theme park called Opryland. And for those of us who grew up here or in neighboring states, we have great memories of Opryland with rides like the Wabash Cannonball, the Rock and Roller Coaster, Chaos, Old Mill Scream, and of course, the Grizzly River Rampage. Every summer, I went two or three times, and uh, one year I had this experience. I love roller coasters, still do. And I always dreamed of this scenario. What if we didn't have to get off at the end? What if we could just stay on forever? Well, one day, the park wasn't very crowded. I think it was one of those days when it rained, most people left, but then the rain stopped, sun came out, and there were just very few of us to enjoy the park. And I was riding the rock and roller coaster with a friend of mine, 
And the teenager running the coaster just smiled at us as we were wrapping up one ride and just let the coaster keep going. We didn't have to stop. It was awesome. I mean, it really was. But eventually, I learned this. Eventually, you want the roller coaster to stop. It can be too much of a good thing. A few years back, our family got to go to Disney, and one morning as Animal Kingdom opened, we went over to ride Expedition Everest, which is a great roller coaster. And I think most everyone else was on the other side of the park doing Pandora or something like that. So we had this side mostly to ourselves, and I remember riding Expedition Everest three times in a row. I mean, and it was awesome. But after three times, I was a little dizzy, my head hurt. It had become too much of a good thing. Eventually, we want the roller coaster to stop. Being stuck on an endless roller coaster would be a nightmare. Being stuck on an endless loop will wear you out. And some of us have had that type of experience, though in a very different way. Some of us get stuck on the roller coaster of our mind, our thoughts. We get stuck in thought loops, and many of these thought loops are intrusive. And by intrusive, I mean uninvited. We don't want to think about those things purposefully. So daydreaming about good things, that's not intrusive. But worrying about scaring things and you want to stop thinking about it, but yet it keeps creeping into your mind, that's intrusive. You don't want to think about it, but it gets stuck there. And you begin to feel helpless about thinking about anything else. A certain intrusive thought loop takes over. So amidst this series on relational health and emotional health, I want to speak to something I've struggled with my entire life. Intrusive thought loops. And perhaps my favorite scripture on this topic comes from the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 9. Philippians chapter 4, 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The scripture reminds us that God is with us amidst our thoughts. The scripture reminds us that we are not powerless. We have power from the Holy Spirit to be proactive in what we think about. This doesn't automatically make intrusive thoughts go away, but it can give us some tools and maybe more importantly, give us some hope. Let me describe more about what we're talking about. An intrusive thought loop is an unwanted thought topic that you can't shake. You become preoccupied with it. It might be thinking about a conversation that took place recently. You replay the conversation over and over again in your head. Maybe you got your feelings hurt or you felt like you were misunderstood. And you replay the conversation in your head over and over and over again, trying to figure out what happened, what went wrong, how to fix it. And before you know it, you've thought about it all day. 
You went through the entire day half paying attention to everything else. And intrusive thought loops are debilitating in this way. They're paralyzing in this way. Another thought loop is like this. You lay awake every night trying to figure out what exactly will happen the next day, the next week. You struggle to fall asleep because you want to be prepared to know what's going to happen. And it often hits the point where you don't care anymore. You just want to sleep, but you can't keep from thinking about it. Another example is this. You see a conflict on social media that troubles you or something in the news. What is the perfect response to it? What's the tweet that could solve everything? What's the correct way to think about it? And this can be an intrusive thought loop. I've had this in my life where I've spent sometimes days trying to figure out in my mind the perfect solution to healthcare policy or immigration policy or all kinds of different things. And these are these are good things to think through deeply, but it becomes an intrusive thought loop where you're like, I really need to plug in to what I actually have to do today, but I just can't. These these thoughts just won't go away, and it's keeping me from doing the other things I need to do. Last week, we talked about the continuum from fear to worry to anxiety, and there's often a connection between the worry spectrum and intrusive thoughts. You might be simply going through a difficult season, and right now, like we're all going through a hard time together, right? You might have an intense type A personality. You might have obsessive-compulsive disorder or struggle with panic attacks. This can take lots of different forms. And as always, if a continued problem, please consult a counselor, medical professional. We always want to remind you of our church partnership with Agape, when you can receive $5 counseling, whether in person, uh, whether in person or telehealth. In a church setting, I want to mention this. Religion and anxiety can form a toxic blend. And I've known so many over the years who have struggled with intrusive thought loops of a religious or spiritual nature. So let me give you an example. This may sound extreme, but I want you to know this is fairly common. And by common, I mean I encounter people every year or so have this similar type of thing going on. So I had a friend years ago who long battled uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. And his attention to detail, it made him highly successful. He was an engineer. But it also paralyzed him at times. So he had a religious intrusive thought loop that his baptism did not count. Okay, He worried that God did not accept his baptism, even though he'd been baptized several times. I, th- I think at least three times he, he'd been baptized. So at the moment he went into the water, he had had this recurring experience that an intrusive thought of doubt, do I believe in this? Do I, is, is there really a God? Was Jesus the Son of God? So this intrusive thought, and, and you got to know, he was worried as he was going into the baptistry about a thought creeping into his mind, right? He would have this intrusive thought right as he went under the water, And then he would agonize that God didn't count the baptism because he felt like he had this intrusive thought of doubt right at that moment. And he fought this for years. And he would come by my office and he would be, I mean, his stomach would be tied up in knots. I mean, it was really a debilitating thing for him. And he begged to get baptized again. Like He really wanted uh, me and another minister to help him get baptized. And we kept holding him off on that because 
we believe the continual baptisms were only giving into the problem. Like we, we talked for hours. He sought professional help. We were trying to convince him that God loved him and that, that God would not, um, would not discount his baptism based on an intrusive thought loop. So some get caught in intrusive thought loops about their salvation. They wonder if they've committed an unforgivable sin. They wonder if God loves them. Some have paralyzing thought loops about various worship practices or or ethical issues or or, or various things that the church might do, and and they don't know if they believe it or not. Throughout my life, I've seen religion and anxiety form a toxic blend in so many I've seen so many have intrusive thought loops of religious nature, and I've experienced all of this in my life. So for these reasons and more, many have distanced themselves from the Christian faith. For them, faith carries more harm than help. But for me, my story went a different direction. There were times that religion coincided with anxiety and it was really hard in my life. But over time, faith lessened my fear, my worry, my anxiety. Faith gave me freedom from intrusive thought loops. And yes, some people experience toxic blends of faith, but for me, healthy faith brought me out of unhealthy ways of thinking. So this happened in two main ways. First, in my teen years, I discovered the grace of God. Paul writes this in Romans of Christians, nothing can separate us from the love of God. So my intrusive thoughts can't separate me. My worry can't separate me. All the things I'm caught up in that cannot separate me from the love of God. The psalmist says, as far as the east is from the west, has God removed us from our sins. Friends, I want you to hear this. God loves you. Our sin separates us from God, and God alone bridges that gap. We're not saved by anything we do. And that's crucial because many worry they haven't done enough or they haven't done the right thing for God to love them. And you just got to quit that because nothing you do saves you anyway. Like, we're not saved by anything we do. And yes, I believe saved. Um, faith without works is dead. Absolutely. We need to show our faith by our actions. But like nothing we do saves us. Therefore, when someone says, I'm worried about I'm not doing enough. Well, you could never do enough. Just go ahead and let that go. That is the grace of God. Also, remember that God holds us accountable for our behavior, not our thoughts. Our behavior, not our thoughts. So in my mind, I frequently have thoughts of bad words. I'll get frustrated and I'll think of a bad word or I'll think of retaliation. I'll even visualize an act of retaliation or greed or lust. But I pray to God to quench that and not let it flow into my actions. And and friends, I don't feel guilty for what pops into my head. And kids, I really want you to hear this. Teenagers, I really want you to hear this. Don't feel guilty for what pops into your head. All of us have crazy weird things that pop into our head. All of us have deeply sinful things that pop into our head. Don't feel guilty about that. It happens to all of us. I only feel guilty for what I intentionally think about. So it's one thing for it to pop in your head. It's another thing to say, you know, I'm going to sit down and think about this. I only feel guilty for what I intentionally think about and for what I actually do. 
what I actually do. I don't feel guilty about things that just pop into my head. The God of the Bible is a God of love and mercy, slow to anger and abounding in love. And if you struggle with worry of a religious nature, take a deep dive into the doctrine of grace. It will be well worth it for you. Besides discovering the grace of God, second thing that helped me, faith gives us tools to combat fear, worry, anxiety, intrusive thought loops. And all tools begin with this. We have the Holy Spirit. Jesus has given you power. You are not powerless. You have power, and the power in you is the Holy Spirit. You can fight against intrusive thought loops. You really can. You have power to fight what's going on in your life. And today's scripture shows us how. So after direct teaching on anxiety, the beginning part of the verse, Paul writes this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Be proactive in thinking about positive things. Be proactive about spiritual practices. That's what he says there. Whatever you've seen in me or received from me, put it into practice. So when I begin to experience fear, worry, anxiety, intrusive thought loops, I do an inventory and I ask myself, what type of thinking have I exposed myself to? What have my spiritual practices been like? So hanging out with positive people is contagious. Reading positive literature will rub off on you. And certainly we need to be informed, and due to human sin, being informed involves exposure to many negative things. But be careful about that intake. I actively regulate how much news I expose myself to. I listen to a couple of weekly podcasts that summarize the news of the week, and I don't try to keep up, and this is just me personally, everyone needs to find their own line here, I personally don't try to keep up with the latest thing every single day. Also, I try to focus more on local news than national and global news, because my proximity to local news fosters agency and decreases anxiety. I found in my life that global news was making me more anxious than local news. Because local news, I felt like I had some agency. Global news, not as much. And I regularly seek out positive encouragers. Certainly, we need to spend time with people who need encouragement, and there are negative people that need our attention. Jesus hung out with people like that. Still, I make space for relationships that build me up. I try to laugh every single day. Sometimes that's talking to someone that's funny. Sometimes it's reading something funny or or, or watching a sitcom, listening to a podcast. And when I think of lovely and noble things, as Paul mentions, I often think of nature and art. I carve out a space for those things. Spending time in nature, spending time around art, um, whether that's um, paintings or, or drama or theater or music, various things. And for me, all this includes space for exercise and sleep. When I'm regularly exercising, spending time in nature, connecting with positive people, spending time in prayer and scripture, uh, reading good books and limiting my news intake, 
I rarely have intrusive thought loops. Let me say that one more time. When I'm regularly exercising, spending time in nature, connecting with positive people, spending time in prayer and scripture, reading good books, and limiting my news intake, I rarely have intrusive thought loops. When I give myself a steady diet of dark news and entertainment amidst cynical people while minimizing my nature and exercise time, I get anxious. And 42 years of living in this world has taught me this. This is the rhythm. This is what happens with me. You'll have to figure out this, I guess, in your own life and adapt it to your own rhythm. But when I live like this, I begin to have intrusive thought loops. We need to be proactive. Just take a blank note card today and sketch out the things that make you anxious and the things that don't make you anxious. And think about the times I'm anxious, what's going on, and the times I'm not anxious, what's going on. And just sketch that out and begin to follow that. The power of the Holy Spirit enables you to exercise control over your thought life. And that's the worst part. Um, The worst part of intrusive thinking is feeling out of control. I've had numerous times in my life where I feel like I had to think about something. I couldn't stop, and I didn't want to think about it, and I felt so out of control. It was horrible. But as you begin proactive practices, seek to reclaim control. I'm drawn to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10.5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what does taking every thought captive mean? I think it involves running your thoughts through a kingdom filter. What would Jesus think about what you're thinking about? It also includes exercising spiritual control over your thoughts. You have power. You are not powerless to your thoughts. Take control. And there are two main ways to do this. The first is a hard boundary. If something pops into your head, you immediately put up a hard boundary. I will not think about that. Some people do that by immediately beginning to pray. Um, Some change location. So if I'm sitting down at my desk and I begin to have an intrusive thought loop, one way to help break that is to say, Lord God, help me not think about that. And I stand up and I go for a brief walk or I go outside or I change locations. Some begin to think about something good and positive. So, um, I try to, at my desk, I have pictures that that are positive or quotes that are positive. Um, On on Instagram, I subscribe to national parks, and sometimes I'll have a negative thought loop or an intrusive thought loop, and I'll I'll pull up my Instagram feed, and I'll look at pictures of Yellowstone or Yosemite or the Grand Canyon just to get my mind focused on something wonderful and praiseworthy, as Paul mentions. Um. Sometimes I'll say, just, Lord, please take this over and over. Sometimes I'll pray what people call the Jesus prayer. Lord Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Sometimes I'll quote scripture like Psalm 23 or the Beatitudes, close my computer and take a walk, get up and get a drink of water, go exercise, thinking about something good that overshadows the bad. So that's putting up a hard boundary to intrusive thoughts. And Some intrusive thoughts that I had for years, I finally just put up a hard boundary and was diligent about it. But the second way to handle this is a soft boundary. And in a soft boundary, you say, I will think about this, but only for a few minutes. So something pops in your head that regularly pops up, and you just set a timer on your phone. Okay, 
This popped in my head. I'm going to think about it for 10 minutes, but no more. And sometimes I set aside 20 minutes a day to think about something that's bothering me. Sometimes I'll say, okay, when I go run today or when I go for a walk later this evening, I'll think about it and, and I'll do it then. Basically, and for some people this works, for some people it doesn't. Schedule a time for intrusive thoughts as a way to manage them. And I've seen this work a lot with teenagers where they're worried. So maybe you're having intrusive, paralyzing thoughts about where you're going to go to college or um, if you're going to be able to pass a driver's test or something. So say, hey, this time I'm going to think about it for 10 minutes and you set a timer. And then after that, I'm not going to think about it anymore. So it's, it's a way of putting a soft boundary on it. Some of this involves knowing your triggers. What types of situations send you into anxiety and thought loops? And some of those should be avoided, while others need to be faced to develop resiliency. So what's the difference? So so if having lunch in the break room every day is a trigger, or having lunch at one particular um, lunch table at school with certain friends, if that's a trigger for your intrusive thought loops, maybe just take a break from that. And, and avoid that if that's become a trigger. Um, if Twitter or Instagram has become a, a trigger for you, if, if talk radio becomes a trigger, just, just don't do it. I've known so many people that talk radio made them anxious. I, I knew a friend, his son was, was grumpy. He was starting to ha- his mood was fluctuating. And, and what they finally figured out was going on was he was sitting in the back seat as they were listening to talk radio and in their their adult maturity they could process it um news radio and talk radio and it didn't affect their mood but he was 14 and it was really affecting his mood so they just took a break from it other forms of triggers though we need to just face so we can develop resiliency so if you have intrusive thought loops about taking tests in school or about going to work um you can't necessarily avoid that. So instead, prepare yourself. You know it's coming. Surround yourself with encouragement. And don't be too hard on yourself, but press on to develop develop resiliency. Put some, put some soft landings in place as you go into that experience, but try to, try to develop those muscles to get through it. Counselors and mental health experts have seen a vast rise in anxiety and intrusive thought loops over the last 10 years. And we know that some of the rise lies in screens and social media. Specifically, research shows that anything with a like button or a ranking can be very harmful for kids and teenagers. And I don't think that means we throw all of our screens away, but we do need to practice wise discernment. Set a time limit on how much time you spend on your screens. Set a limit on how much social media you consume. This is important because we don't just think. We know that screens and social media bear much of the blame for the rise in anxiety and intrusive thought loops we're experiencing. And we need to make wise choices. Family, the pandemic, the upcoming election, and conversations very important conversations on racial justice. All of this has caused an increase in roller coaster thinking and thought loops. And I know this from personal experience and from listening to you. We should think about hard things and we should have hard conversations. 
But an endless roller coaster, it's going to wear you out, leaving you unable to love others well. If you experience intrusive thought loops, you can take steps today to make things better. God shows us how to do that. Let's help each other get off the roller coaster. Let's spend time meditating on the grace of God. God loves you so much. There's nothing you can do that would make God love you any more. There's nothing you can do that would make God love you any less. Embrace the grace of God. And spend time considering the tools of the Holy Spirit. You are not on your own. We are with you. And God is with us. And to go back to some of that passage from Philippians 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Please take a moment to, uh, to worship God and to prepare your hearts and minds uh, for communion. Good morning. I want to read from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17 through 24. It says, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. I love that we are welcomed when we come around this table, that we can approach God with full assurance that uh, in the body and blood of Christ, we find mercy and forgiveness. But in verse 24, we're told to stir up one another to love and good works. The American Standard Version says to provoke to good works. It strikes me that the welcome we receive also comes with a call to honesty and confession and the hard work of pointing each other towards Christ. Let's give thanks for this meal that teaches us who we are in God and who we are to each other. Father, we give you thanks for this bread, which is the body of Christ, and this cup that is the blood of Christ. Thank you for the mercy that you have shown us through your Son. I thank you that you have called us your sons and your daughters. Bless us as we take this together. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Feel free to stop the recording now and worship the Lord. We'll close this morning with a reading from the 13th chapter of Matthew. On that day, after Jesus went out of the house, he sat by the lake, and such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat to sit while the whole crowd stood on the shore. 
He told them many things in parables, saying, Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil. They sprang up quickly because the soil was not deep. But when the sun came up, they were scorched, and because they did not have sufficient root, they withered. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and they grew up and choked them. But other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundred times as much, some sixty, and some thirty. The one who has ears had better listen. Then the disciple said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? He replied, You have been given the opportunity to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but they have not. For whoever has will be given more and will have an abundance, but whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. For this reason I speak to them in parables. Although they do not see, and although they hear, they do not hear, nor do they understand. And concerning them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, You will listen carefully, yet will never understand. You will look closely, yet will never comprehend. For the heart of this people has become dull. They are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes, so that they would not see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts, and turn, I would heal them. But your eyes are blessed because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and does not understand it, The evil one comes and snatches what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed sown on rocky ground is the person who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. But he has no root in himself and does not endure when trouble or persecution comes because of the word and immediately falls away. The seed sown among thorns is the person who hears the word But worldly cares and seductiveness of wealth choke the word, so it produces nothing. But as for the seed sown on good soil, this is the person who hears the word and understands. He bears fruit, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Lord, may we hear the word and understand. Lord, is, is your people, we, we long for that understanding, and, and we long to see the fruit born of that understanding. Lord, sow that seed among us. Let us just be and, and produce good, good fruit for your kingdom. Lord, we are thankful for this time together today both in person and virtually. Lord, I I pray that as we go into the city this week, that that the evidence of your harvest may be clear as your people uh, just spread out through this city. 
Lord, we are thankful for this time today. We are thankful for your Son. It's through his name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Ackland Avenue. Uh, this morning, there's not a lot to announce. Um, it is too hot. COVID-19 is still a major bummer. And in-person school is not going to start before Labor Day, at least if you are in metro schools. But even with all the not-so-great news, we do have several birthdays and anniversaries. On the 12th, Ryan and Sabrina Sullenberger turned 17 years together. Also on the 12th, Rhodes Christian turns the big 5-0. On the 16th, Edgar and Marianne Corley do the Sullenbergers two years better, at 19 years. And on the same day, Anka Simon adds another year. And lastly, but certainly not least, Danielle Martin has a birthday. And I guess for the first time, she has moved out of the zone where we would announce her age. Congratulations to her and to all. Also, to continue on the good stuff... Shannon let us know that Larry had a great prognosis on his recent follow-up regarding the prostate cancer. We are also happy to hear that and will continue to pray. That is all I have. Uh, Let's do continue to pray for our missionaries, as well as our friends and loved ones who are sick or recovering from everything from cancer to COVID. Let's also continue to pray for policy and health and science leaders as our nation and world continues to battle this unprecedented in our lifetimes at least, set of circumstances. God bless to all. Hope everybody has a good week. You've been listening to 900 Ackland Avenue, a podcast for the Ackland Avenue Church of Christ. If you'd like more information about our community, our church website is http colon slash slash Thanks again for joining us. God bless.